This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Shall we begin? From my blood come the prince that was promised, and his will be the song of ice and fire. BFM 89.9, you are listening to Popcorn Culture with Lynn, Sharmila and Arvin. Um, we've got a dragon-heavy week, as we promised. Yesterday, we threw back to Dragonheart, all in anticipation of today's review, because we are going to be talking about the premiere episode of House of the Dragon, the, depending on where you stand, long-awaited or somewhat dreaded uh, prequel to Game of Thrones. I have to say that I kept my expectations so low for this because of the last season of Game of Thrones. Um, And I'm kind of glad I did because going in with no expectations meant that I ended up enjoying this a whole lot. We're only one episode in, granted, but it was a really, really great premiere. Um, I love that. I kind of love how you don't need to really know much of Game of Thrones to watch this uh, because it's set far enough back that really it's just kind of nods to what's going to come but at the same time if you are a game of thrones fan there's so much here to love and and then of course all the intrigue and the scheming and the sex and the violence it's all back um i'm cautiously very excited oh so that's interesting because i i wish that this was said way way back in the, in in the past so i i have an issue with that time frame and the window uh, between this and game of thrones um but i think i also need to say that i didn't hate the the final season of game of thrones i actually liked that season um was it a good season no it was like garbage storytelling but then i only cared about the fantasy element and the dragons in game of thrones and i think because of that this show had me hyped the moment they announced it because they're focusing on all those elements that I that I only ever wanted from the other series. So it's about the dragons, it's about the Targaryens. So my expectations were high. Um, I think the, the first episode delivered. It was such a strong pilot. Like it went back to the building blocks of Game of Thrones and what made that, uh, the earlier seasons of that show um, really, really good. And I think if it's any indication, like the pilot is any indication, then this is going to be like a super, super strong series because it's all about characters right e- even though there are so many dragons they spent so much time building characters um, and I really really liked it. I have to admit that I have been actively avoiding um, a lot of House of the Dragon and that has to do with a few things so disappointment with Game of Thrones and where it went uh, towards the end garbage storytelling just a ridiculous squandering of fan goodwill, I think, built over the course of seasons. One thing. Uh, The second thing is my exhaustion, well documented by now with IPs and prequels and sequels and all the rest of it. And I just want like things to stand independently on their own. So that was another issue. Um, And so I went in already thinking, "Ah, okay, I'm not sure. 
And then I really liked it. So I, I do think that it is a strong pilot. Um, I also think, and this is something we can talk about a bit more, that when you come in with baggage from Game of Thrones, and I'm not talking about like storytelling or fan theory baggage, like my baggage is emotional as a viewer and um, understanding how George R. R. Martin handles characters or um, the fact that he is quite can be quite brutal, I think does mean that I'm approaching the the story with a bit of bit more caution than I would have or than I did when I first started reading Game of Thrones. Yeah, um, I you know what's weird about my feel for House of the Dragons, uh, House of the Dragon, is that it feels to me almost like I'm watching historical fiction, even though this obviously isn't history even, because it's like you know the outcome of something already and it's set in this kind of intricate like intricate multi-family multi-kingdom storyline and now you're kind of going back so in a weird way I almost felt like I was watching something like The Crown um, learning the background of something that I already knew and I think that framed the way I feel about this very differently obviously it also changes things that you know what the ultimate outcome is going to be Um, and so again my attachment to things were a little bit different Um, I don't know, the feel for me right now, the way I'm watching House of the Dragon is a bit different from Game of Thrones. And I think that's a good thing. Um, I feel like my attachment to the characters are different. I'm allowed, I'm also allowing myself, I think, um, to not focus too much on how, what's being changed from the books, because that was the other issue, right? I'd read the books. Whereas with this, it's almost like a clean slate and I can just enjoy it with, with very little expectation, which I kind of love. Hmm. So so the, the ultimate outcome is my biggest issue with the show. And I think for me, it's the biggest downside of House of the Dragon, um, that it's a prequel. And, and we know where this leads. We know, um, we know where it leads directly even, um, which I'm fine with. But then it'll be a bit of a bummer if this is a, a flawless series that ultimately has to culminate in a very, very, very flawed final season, which doesn't pay off its characters, that has a lot of mistakes. So I wish that this was set further in the past, like it was maybe, I don't know, like a thousand years in the past or 800 years in the past, where anything that happens in this block of time doesn't have to directly connect with the Song of Ice and Fire or the, you know, Winter is Coming or Daenerys or whoever that is. I love that. I love that they open by saying it's 170 something years before Daenerys Targaryen. I I love that they haven't completely severed ties with that show because it's a good show. It was overall 90% a good show. Um, But I also... I also kind of wish that it didn't have so much attachment and it wasn't so familiar. So worth saying, right, where we're dropped into. So 170 years before Daenerys Targaryen is exactly where it is. We're back in the Iron, we're back in Westeros. Uh, we're back on the Iron Throne, in fact, except it is during the time when a Targaryen actually sat on the throne. And the Targaryen in question is uh, Viserys I. And basically, the reason why I think the crown, Sharmila, is actually a really interesting example because if you have any interest whatsoever in royal families and the storytelling around them, then in some ways, House of the Dragon is a very basic royal story. In other words, it is a succession crisis. Mm -hmm. So there are dragons and there are, you know, complots and and all the rest of it. But ultimately, ultimately, what it comes down to is we have a king the king has no clear heir or there is an heir that nobody wants and so what happens now 
what is going to be the power struggle, who is siding with who. That's really what the first episode is laying out. And once it got into that territory, I really enjoyed it. I... um have come to realise that I have a personal bugbear and I'm just going to declare it up front because it's clearly going to um, it's clearly going to affect future reviews. And that is, I don't like it when things start with voiceover. I've started to feel like it's cheap <laughs> and and I don't I don't enjoy it. It creates a sense of staginess for me. It also feels like a shortcut. It's how I felt watching Sandman, which um, I, I got over and which they never did again, in fact. And similarly, with House of the Dragon, it automatically started with a voiceover and I was like, what is this? What are you trying to do? <laughs> and and so I think it took me about 15 to 20 minutes to to get past the, and here is Rhaenerys and here is Viserys and here are the other Targaryens whose names sound very similar and start to actually get into the flow of the characters and to start speculating about their motivations, which is actually the fun part. Yes, I actually think the show started a little less powerfully than it needed have because it it then just like becomes so heightened that I'm like why did you start like some boring old British film like why yeah um and for people who may not be familiar I will just warn that the Targaryens repeat their names a lot so you're going to have to keep track of a lot of whitehead people um but once you get past that initial stodgy beginning, I feel like it hit all the marks, right? You have a little bit of everything that you probably loved from Game of Thrones. Uh, They also introduce a lot of really great new characters and actors. Um, Particularly, I think, um, knowing that you're going to be in with them for at least a season, if not more, it's really important that you immediately like them because characters like uh, Damon Targaryen, played by Matt Smith, for instance, uh, if you don't warm up to him from the moment you see him come on screen, you're probably going to lose the interest you have in the show. And he's so good in this role. And then, of course, the dragons, which look amazing, which is exactly what you want from a show about the Targaryens. I mean, Game of Thrones or or House of the Dragon should really have a masterclass on how to make things look expensive or how to utilize a budget. Um, Because we've spoken about this so much um, in recent months, right, reviewing like shows, um, especially from the MCU. And and I just watched uh, She-Hulk the day before watching House of the Dragon and that thing looks ridiculously bad. CGI wise, it's kind of embarrassing that a, that a studio that big would put out something like that. So I think, you know, just looking at the, the budget, the aesthetic, the visuals, the set pieces, it's nice to be back in that world because Game of Thrones always look cinematic and it always look huge and it always looked like it was meant for a very, very large platform. So I appreciated all of that. The, you can see that the budget is slightly compromised or slightly brought down from the season finale of Game of Thrones, but I'm, I'm hoping it, it gets back to those levels by the time season two comes out. We're talking today about House of the Dragon, which is the much-anticipated prequel to Game of Thrones. Rather, we're talking about the first episode. Let us know if you've caught it and if you plan to and what you think about it. You can WhatsApp us 018-789-8899, tweet us at BFM Radio. And of course, if you'd like to catch it and you haven't, House of the Dragon is now streaming on Astro. It's available with Astro Movies bundles from only 59.99 ringgit a month for six months. The offer actually ends this month in terms of do apply, visit astro.com.my for more info. Best flipping moments. BFM 89.9, the business station. The burden of this knowledge. It is larger than the throne. It is larger than you. 
The king chose Ramira. The realm will not accept her. Men would sooner put the realm to the torch than see a woman ascend the Iron Throne. I will be queen of the Seven Kingdoms. May do as you wish. When I am cold in my grave. Dreams didn't make us kings. Dragons did. BFM 89.9, you are listening to Popcorn Culture with Lynn, Sharmila and Arvin. And together we are reviewing the premiere episode of House of the Dragon. Um, and actually, there are a couple of things that were in that clip that I'd like to pick up on. So that's a season trailer. It's not necessarily representative of what happened in this episode alone. But um, okay, I think even the most ardent Game of Thrones fans began to have a lot of issues with not just the storytelling, but with specific things, right? Like with the violence, with the representation of its main female characters, one thing, but actually just women in general populating the screen with no clothes on for no apparent reason. And um, based on the first episode of House of the Dragon, how do we think they're going to do? You know, that's an interesting question because a part of me feels like there's a little bit of course correction that's happening with this episode uh, where they are like, oh, we're going to foreground all our female characters and they're all going to be amazing and awesome. Uh, But at the same time, we're still going to have all the nudity so that uh, you don't feel like the show has become completely sanitized. Still lots of brothels. Still lots of brothels. But I will say that there's one particularly disturbing scene at the heart of this episode, um, which involves childbirth, which I thought they handled shockingly. It was awful to watch, but they did it so well. Because I think the point of that episode was to kind of redefine, the point of that scene was to redefine what violence means and what the outcome of violence can be when, when men are in charge and women have a certain role. And so I hope I hope that that's the direction that they go in. That if we're going to talk about violence, it's used intentionally and not for shock value for no reason. Um, Is it weird that, and this is going to make me sound like such a perv, but uh, is it weird that I felt nostalgic when the violence and the, the sex was very graphic to the older seasons of Game of Thrones? Because they made me super uncomfortable when watching the older seasons of Game of Thrones. But then when I saw it happen again in the pilot of House of the Dragon, I was like, oh, it's 2010 again, and Ned Stark's (laughs) on the poster, and they're they're putting him there because they're gearing up for plot twists for the people who haven't read the books, and there's going to be a shocker, you know, that kind of thing. Because when when we talk about, like, nudity and and violence in Game of Thrones, we're talking about the earlier seasons. The, The later seasons were kind of sanitized. They scaled back a lot. They they cost corrected and they did a lot of things differently, right? Um, this looks like it's going back to seasons one, two, three, maybe even four, half of four of Game of Thrones. Um, so it, for me, it was that I was very uncomfortable watching it. Some of it is very, very disturbing, but I felt like a sense of nostalgia. I'm like, oh, this is the Game of Thrones I like and know. Can I just say that given that this is the Targaryens that we're talking about, I don't think it's going to get any more comfortable. If anything, I think we're going to have to deal with some really weird, incesty, weird stuff. <laughs> so th- so this is the thing, right? I feel as if uh, when you come into a Game of Thrones 
series, which which this is, right? It's part of a larger series of, of Game of Thrones shows. When you come into it, you have a certain acceptance of, okay, like I'm not going to like these people, firstly. It, it's, it's odds are good. I will mm-hmm. dislike about 80 to 90% of them. Odds are good that there's going to be really disturbing twists and violence and that people are going to do things to each other that I just simply would rather not watch. And and the first episode actually deals that out pretty quickly. Um, in some ways to men. So I suppose that's, again, a, a matter of course correction. But yeah. in general, you, you kind of accept that going in. So for me, my, my radar is this. Is the violence necessary or does it serve the story? And so far for House of the Dragon, I feel differently about the nudity, but... For the violence, I do think that it was needed and it is not fine because, again, that makes it sound like, yay, people are getting their hands chopped off. But it's like, okay, yeah, that makes sense. We needed to have that scene. You did it for a reason. And that is going to be how I approach the rest of the season as well, I think, whether or not it is is needed. Um the other thing that, of course, we have to talk about are the performances. And I'm including the non-human performers here, too, because yay, dragons, they're back. Oh, the dragons are back. They're beautiful. Uh, they've obviously gone to a lot of effort to make them quite distinct because, you know, as as we're told quite early on, there are 10 dragons um, that are potentially going to be in the show. But um, I will say that for a first, uh, for, for a pilot, this many good performances on screen, this many actors that I'm excited each time they appear um, is really great because it, it holds so much potential for the rest of the season. Also, I hope that um, I hope that this is not how they treat the dragons in the entire show because we only saw glimpses of them or small bits and pieces of them. Right? I, I don't think they can keep them away from the audience or from us for the longest time. Like I, I'm thinking, maybe by episode five, we need a lot of dragons because that pacing. Because we've seen them before, we've seen them in Game of Thrones. I don't think you can tease us like with a dragon every now and then. It has to like be full scale action by the time this season is done. Having said that, the first. Dracarys is amazing. The first Dracarys is amazing. It's amazing. Yeah, I mean, like, I, I think you're waiting for it. You you have a feeling it's going to happen. And then when it does happen, you're like, oh, I mean, the circumstances are terrible. But the moment is really a moment. Um, mm-hmm. The human performances are great. I, I think so far it bodes well. It's following again in the, in the footsteps of Game of Thrones of having a mixture of well-known faces, accomplished actors, particularly in the British scene. And then you've also got some fresher faces, which makes a lot of sense, particularly because we're being introduced to new characters. Um, I really enjoyed both Paddy Considine and Matt Smith in particular and, and their dynamic, not just with one another, but also with the council. Reese Ifans is a pleasant surprise. I didn't expect him to be in it. So um, yeah, it, it's been pretty fun. I think I'm still waiting for uh, a little bit more from Emma Darcy. And, and that has more to do with the character and how they're pacing her out, I think, than her performance. Yeah, because we are not really going to see her till later, because she's the younger version of her is played by Millie Alcock, and um, so I'm 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 hoping to see the transition and how that's going to work. Uh, but yeah, so far all the people that you mentioned very excited, um, and I think particularly Matt Smith, who at this point is turning into a little bit of a a geek king, right? Like he's in all of these prestige shows where he plays established characters. So it, it's interesting to see how well he morphs and turns and takes on something new and you don't 
you don't think of him anymore as Prince Charles or as Doctor Who, uh, because that for me was my issue. I'm like, can I actually see Matt Smith as a Targaryen? But the moment he walks on screen, he's perfect. Hmm. I, I love that I hate him. And I yes. hated him from the from the time I saw him and from the time he started doing his thing. I completely hated him. Um, and I, I think you hate him even even more because he's he's kind of cool. Um, it's like his a dragon, Caraxes, though. How cool is his dragon? He's so cool. And his armor is so cool. And the way he just, he carries himself like a Targaryen. And you know that he believes in his own hype so fully, right? Um, and I hate him for that even more. And, and, I, and I love that because I think and I hope he's going to be a villain that we can latch on to for a long, long time and has all these like weird, twisty, curvy, turny arcs as the show goes on. So um, I for me, just wanted to close off with the fact that I am trying very hard to manage my emotional expectations for House of the Dragon. And and it's difficult, I think, as a longtime viewer of Game of Thrones to, because the fun of it, of course, is in getting attached to people. The flip side of that is that when they die, and they always die, <laughs> or, or they inevitably get betrayed by like their lover or something. It's just horrible and heartrending. So I don't know how you're both doing it. For me, I'm struggling a little bit um, because I, I don't know how attached to get. And yet at the same time, watching Game of Thrones as a neutral observer or watching House of the Dragon as a neutral observer, I imagine it's no fun. It wasn't fun with Game of Thrones. I don't think it'll be fun with House of the Dragon. So far, I haven't super gotten attached to anyone yet. So maybe I'm it's not It's going quite to happen. They it. do it. Yeah, I mm-hmm. know. I know. It's going to happen. I already like Viserys, even though he clearly isn't that great a person. So yeah, yeah, I know. This is what I mean by nostalgia. I'm waiting for the first big character to die. I'm like, who's it going to be? And while I'm like munching popcorn and when the first big person like kicks the bucket, I'll be like, oh, yeah, yeah, that's Game of Thrones. Love it. You do sound a certain kind of way eh, when we talk I about know. this. <laughs> it's like... He sounds like a character in Game of Thrones. You sound like a hand. Yeah. You, you sound 100% like somebody who would be a hand. <laughs> And we're just like peasants. We're peasants <laughs> yeah. waiting our doom. <laughs> That's going to be Dracarys to death soon. <laughs> oh, well, on that note, um, we have today been reviewing the premiere episode of House of the Dragon. We'll be back to revisit this at the end of the season or midway and talk about how the rest of the season is going. Hopefully we maintain this energy because then it means the show has maintained its energy. Um, if you're planning to watch it, House of the Dragon is now streaming on Astro. It's available with Astro Movies bundles and that's from only 59.99 ringgit a month for six months. The offer does end, however, this month. Terms apply. You can visit astro.com.my for more info. If you have already seen it, let us know what you think. That number to WhatsApp is 018-789-8899. Tweet us at BFM Radio and write to us at movies at bfm.my. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.